Episode 16, going on 17, baby, we're here back again. Yes, this is 16th episode in our Roots and Branches epic saga, which is from New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. Paul Arnberg, your host here with Pastor Brent Compline. We're glad to continue this yep. new tradition. Hey, their tradition. There's a fiddle on the roof reference, and later I'll talk about Les Mis Rob. Hey, it's a musical <laughs> theater theme. We are glad to be back, and this is part two of our From Image Management to Authentic Relationships. And again, if you're just tuning in, this is the transformational outcomes portion of our Roots and Branches podcast campaign, which started way back in November, where we first dropped the episode one that was an introduction about this whole idea of disciple by doing. So Brent gave us a lot of biblical foundation over the first few episodes, including special guests. Go back and listen to all of them on iTunes and on our website. Um, And then today we're going to do episode two, focusing on authentic relationships. Uh, Episode 15, what we just uh, did a little bit ago, is all about image management and the downfall of that, and I would say the unbiblical nature of being fearful of man, fearful of other people, instead of acting in faith and acting in the confidence and security yep. that God imputed his righteousness to us and his identity. But Brent, you are the one who was supposed to give a recap, so please give us a recap <laughs> of episode 15. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, and, okay. you're, and you're mentioning all of my favorite musicals. Oh, there we go. But for, for, the, for those of you listening, um, oh, I don't think we're going to do that much singing, so don't, don't, be, <laughs> don't be scared. Uh, yeah, well, maybe you could, Paul, yeah. not so much me. Um, yeah, well, last episode, we did a part one on this transformational outcome of image management to authentic relationship. And in the second part, we really want to focus on that. What are we transforming toward, which is authentic relationships? And we don't mean authenticity in sort of the trite kind of cultural way of talking about that. We mean authentic as in um, really stepping into depth of relationship, relationship that is really based in our identity in Christ. Yes. Uh, relationship that really means I'm living in the fullness of who God made me to be as his image bearer, redeemed, not living in my flesh or my own self-made meaning, but really living in the fullness of God's design for me, his uniqueness and what he's made us to be, and our skill and our passion areas and the things that we bring to contribute to a community. And so that's some of the stuff that we're going to focus on today. Yes. And if you did miss episode 15, let me admonish you. Proverbs says, let another person praise you and not your own lips. I will say, go back and listen to 15 because Brent himself, Pastor Brent Complin, (laughs) gave a mini biography of his own journey from the end of sixth grade when his dear twin brother, Brad, was diagnosed with cancer, went through chemo, and then Brent did lay out really well for a few minutes, good few minutes, about his own coming of age and not living in his brother's shadow, which he does not put on his brother or his parents. It was from his own flesh that Brent struggled against that all the way through his first major pastorate as a church planter in San Francisco. So if you want to be encouraged by Brent's transparency, please listen to episode 15. And today we're going to flesh out the positive side of this dichotomy, authentic relationships. Yeah, and one of our challenges at the end of the last episode was to search your heart on yes. what kind of identity are you living in, or, or are you living in image management, or uh, just making sure that we're really being honest about mm-hmm. that with ourselves. And so what we want to do is paint a picture today about how do we live biblically in authentic relationships and what that means. Um, and so we've got a couple passages we're going to turn to in a moment, but I really want to set the stage by talking about um, some terminology that I've found helpful that at least gets the conversation going. So kind of view this as like a conversation starter. Um, I was in a, I, was, I took a course last summer where we talked about 
um, just uh, it's called systems theory is what it's is kind of the technical terminology. But it's really about what, how do we how do we do relationships with individuals one on one? But how do we live in a community? And um, one of the ways that we need to understand that is about um, identifying who you are and who the other people are and being able to truly connect. And there's two terms that were super helpful for this for me. One is uh, differentiation mm-hmm. versus enmeshment. And some of you maybe heard these terms before. Let me define them. Being enmeshed is not a good thing in a relationship. Being enmeshed means that there's a blurry line between you and the other person. Emotionally, uh, in what you sort of... Uh, take on that person's emotions. They almost become yours. You feel so susceptible to their influence that what they like, you feel like you have to like. Um, Just go back to those, either those moments where you feel new in a place or in a friend group or in a community or back to those middle school, high school years when you're a teen and you're trying to figure yourself out and you feel all this pressure that if so-and-so likes this activity, I got to do that too. Enmeshment is a way where you sort of don't live in who you are, Mm -hmm. you view the world through the external reality of what other people think you should be doing. And you become enmeshed with other people in that you sort of hitch your wagon to what they like, what they want, what they think. And you kind of lose the reality of the uniqueness of what God's made you to be and who who you are. So enmeshment in its worst form can turn into codependency where you, you, you can't even get out of, and this codependency is, can, can be like mild, but it can also be really severe. Mm-hmm. You can even be in an abusive relationship and be codependent where you almost can't, you can't, can't even imagine leaving it, even though it's really bad yes. because you're dependent in some twisted way on that person and what they want you to do or think or whatever it is it gets real bad real fast. Yes, and that's why it's really a misnomer to call uh, an abuse victim stupid for staying because yeah. it's both a, uh, I would say in a, in a lot of ways, it's a long-suffering attempt to hope the person changes, that's their abuser, but it's also, like you said, it's that enmeshment, it's the unhealthy lack of uh, identity in Christ that would make that person subject and, and most often, almost yeah. always, it, most often it is a wife or a, a woman in a relationship where the man is abusive. But um, that codependence is dangerous because even if there isn't physical abuse, there's the emotional abuse. There's the idea, yeah. the idea that that you don't have the right to stand up for yourself. And, and it gets to a point where you can't stay in it hoping they'll change because yeah. it's, it'll be destructive and it's a spiral downward, downward. And I've seen that in personal relationships I've had in my, um, in my life. Yeah. And you know, getting da- going down that road of like some of the issues related to abuse or counseling through that is like well beyond our pay grade. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But for those of you who'd, who'd, who'd ever been in a, in a, a relationship, maybe we'll dial it back a little bit where maybe you, you feel like, um, you're so influenced and susceptible to what other people think mm-hmm. that enmeshment is really unhealthy. And what it, what it, what it does is it actually hinders connection. Yes. It actually prevents true connection. So the other term that's, I found super helpful is the term differentiation or to be differentiated. And what that word means, and this is a term that comes out of uh, Bowen theory, is what it, is the name of of what it means to talk about family systems and to talk about relationships. And Murray Bowen, um, many decades ago, kind of wrote about systems theory and about how it affects uh, people in relationships. So you could go Google that if you want to. Um, but differentiation means I know who I am, 
I'm secure in who I am. I know emotionally where I end and you begin. I know the things that I care about, that I believe. Um, I'm, I'm secure in uh, the relationships that I know that the person cares about me and I care about them. Differentiated means that you have a good grasp on who you are and you can then appreciate and understand the uniqueness of another person, how they're wired differently, the things that they uh, enjoy, the things that they believe, the things that what that makes them unique and who they are. Different, two differentiated people who understand really clearly who they are mm-hmm. can connect because you can actually learn to love and appreciate the uniqueness of that other person yes. rather than become enmeshed and sort of forget who you are and maybe like in a weird twisted way, hitch your wagon to that person and all the things that they wish you would do. Yes. Right. Yes. So yeah, after, after I put my foot in my mouth about not trying, I, I wasn't trying to comment <laughs> on the, the clinical side of abusive relationships yep. in an extremely positive sense. One thing I will follow yep. up on what you just said, Brent, is that for us to be differentiated reminds me of one of the clearest commands in the Bible that modern Christians often forget. Yeah. Don't be unequally yoked. If you're going to ultimately have the most important earthly relationship of a, of a marriage, a one man, one woman marriage, you need to enter that with your differentiated salvation that you are both one, uh, uh, you're both saved in Christ, then you come together. If you yeah. say that I'm just going to fall for anybody because my brother taught me this in high school, don't like someone just because they like you. You know, that <laughs> idea, the peer pressure, you yeah. need to be secure in who you are. That's why I love my wife, Wendy, so much because she's always been very secure in her own identity. One thing, a quirk of hers that she's done since she was in high school, she's not afraid to go to a movie by herself, which I think, boy, that's great. She doesn't need to worry about seeing alone at a movie. If she wants to see a movie, in fact, I think she went to Cats, speaking of another musical. Okay. She went to Cats at the, at the Northrop <laughs> uh, when she was a, a, a young transfer student. And uh, and I was ushering. We didn't meet each other at that time. But uh, the idea that you... That's kind of a, a silly little thing that go yep. to a movie or, or a play by yourself. But you shouldn't look around over your shoulder all the time. Who, who might see me? It's like almost that aristotic or aristocratic attitude that you want to be seen. No, how yeah. about you're seen, which I said in the previous episode, by an audience of one. Live like you are with Christ all the time. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this little diatribe, make sure to do that in your most authentic relationships, especially marriage, but also in your friendships that you're going to let people in. Because there's such a thing as outreach, but there's also such a thing as really doing life together. And you need to do that when we are differentiated, that we both stand alone in front of the Lord. In fact, that's another little anecdote. When Wendy and I were baptized together in 1992, we were given the option, because we were engaged at the time, would you like to be baptized at the same time? I said, no, we should go go into the tub at different times, because we're both going to stand individually before the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, I'll go in first, I'll get dunked, and then I'll go out, and then she'll go in and get dunked and go out. So that was my conviction, even at age 23. So that's just a little bit of a Paulism there about how we need to make sure that our authenticity is standing alone before we can dare to be whole with somebody else. Yeah. And the key that you're just, you're alluding to, you're talking about is that real authentic relationships mean that you need to be secure. Secure. Absolutely. Secure in your identity in Christ Mm -hmm. is the foundation and secure in the uniqueness of knowing God made me on purpose for a purpose. Yep. For such a time as this. Yeah. And he's, he's given me certain things I am passionate about or good at or skilled. And that security is the only way that you'll really connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just to capitalize on the story I shared at the previous episode, that really boils down the 
that's really the, the, the thing that I needed to learn was to, to truly be secure in my identity in Christ, living in God's grace, knowing that God looks on me and dear friends, he says the same thing about you. If you are trusting in Christ, Mm -hmm. this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Yes. And so just, you are loved period. Yes. And that security of that truth is the only way that you're going to then be able to turn and have any relationships with any other person with any kind of security. Yes. Because then you don't have to worry that I got to walk out of this room and wonder, did Paul like me? <laughs> right? Because I go, well, my my need for being loved can be fully satisfied in Christ. Yes. And so then the love I receive from anybody else is like gravy. Yeah. You know, it's it's a gift. It's grace. It's all grace. Like yes. it's all a gift. God's love for me is not because I deserve it. It shatters my desire or my, in my flesh to feel like I have to earn it. And so living in the grace of God's love poured out for me through Christ on the cross and in his resurrection, living in the freedom of that allows me to then connect with other people. Yes. I was just, before you said the cross, I was thinking about Hebrews 12, where for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And so in addition to being able to love people fully because we are loved, if we're persecuted and if we are yeah. mocked, and Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount, if we are reviled for the name of Christ, rejoice. Yep. John MacArthur once said, jump for joy because your reward's great in heaven. So even persecution and even martyrdom can't take away our security in Christ yep. or our confidence that nothing people can do to us would take away our security in Christ. Therefore, yep. we can love recklessly, or I, maybe that's not a good word. We can love <laughs> with abandon uh, and not with conservatism. We can we can liberally love, yeah. again, a couple of political words, but I'm not trying to be political. We can lavish love on other people, yep. even if they reject us, because our security, and, and when you said overflows, I think of Psalm 23, my cup yeah. overflows. We will never run out of that eternal love that's poured into our hearts. Yeah, there is such a thing as burnout, which I've referred to many yep. times already, but we still can be risk-taking for the kingdom because of our security in the Father. Yeah, that's how we step out to love other people who need to be loved, is not because we need to be afraid. We don't ever need to be afraid. What if I don't get anything in return? Uh, Yes. I'm fully satisfied in Christ, and so I can give. I've been given to because Mm -hmm. I've received a gift. Yes. And so now I get to give it. You know, when we think biblically about this, the ultimate differentiated human being is Jesus. Yes. Perfect in him being fully secure in who he is. And so here is the very son of God, every interaction that you see Jesus have with every person in the New Testament. Yes. He is the ultimate differentiated person who is not enmeshed with what people think about him or what they think he should believe or the think that he should be doing or anything. He's always doing the Father's will. We've been studying the mm-hmm. Gospel of John and repeatedly Jesus says, I'm doing what the Father told me to do. Yes. I'm doing what the fa- I'm saying what the Father told me to say. Mm-hmm. And he's 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 secure in his relationship in the Trinity. Yes. Uh, eternally yeah. with the Father and the Spirit. And so that of course is the ultimate, right, of of being that of being secure in 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 Jesus and who he is in his full human nature, his full divine nature. But every time he interacts with someone, he is able to see through the potential pitfalls we have in relationships instead of managing relationships with people he is always working for with god's for god's sovereign will doing god's sovereign work 
for the glory of God in every scenario, in every word, and in every deed that he ever does. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes, and I was just looking for a reference, and I believe it's in Matthew 10 when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples for their first mini-missionary journey when Jesus was still walking in the earth. The simple phrase, freely you have received, now freely give. I'm pretty sure it's in Matthew 10, but anyway, it's, it's in there a couple of times, and that idea of being able to love uh, openly and to love others with selflessness is because we are loved openly and with Jesus' selflessness, and more than we can ever ask or think. I love it, Ephesians 3.20. So we can we can do that in confidence, and it all comes back to security in Christ, and the antonym, of course, is insecurity, which we hear a lot yeah. about in yeah. this generation. Don't be insecure. That is not attractive, and it's not godly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I just, I think there's so many examples we can look to about how Jesus interacts with people mm-hmm. that we'll, we need to think about it in these ways. Like, it when when jesus interacts with when he interacts with someone who's in incredible physical need he does address and he looks at them in his compassion and will in the gospels he's healing people left and right mm-hmm. you know i mean he's i guess you know he's dealing with people's physical needs but he sees through that to the deeper needs of their heart your sins are forgiven yeah or when he's talking with the pharisees he is never threatened by what they think he should be doing or saying. Yes. He just speaks the truth and what needs to be done. And so it's just a beautiful picture of um, that security that we, then when we're in Christ, we can interact with people in similar ways that um, we're not swayed, sort of tossed back and forth by the waves, if mm-hmm. you will, to use a biblical metaphor. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, yeah. Um, but we're able to to be secure in, in our identity in Jesus and then be able to interact with people out of that. And the, the key point is that we've received a gift and so then we can give it to others. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the episode about one of our other favorite musicals and one of our other favorite characters. And maybe yes. you can introduce that because well, I don't sure. want to steal Les Miserables. I think, I'm not sure, I don't speak French, but it's Les Miserables or Les Miserables, as I'm saying. <laughs> Les Miserables is my favorite musical and Mine I learned too. it's your favorite musical, Brent. And so a special thing about that is I mentioned Wendy went to Cats by herself before we started dating in college. Well then for our 21st birthday, I gave us tickets to the Ordway Theater mm. in 1990 to see Les Miserables for the first time she heard about it from her friends so we actually from the library we got the soundtrack and studied it and listened to it because i know it's complicated to understand it it instantly became our favorite and the reason i thought of it today in the context of this two-part episode is that there's a great pivotal moment in the musical and in the book by christian author victor hugo who really wrote it as an analogy or an allegory of, of valjean is christ-like and javert is pharisee-like who am i in the musical, both in the stage production and also when Hugh Jackman played the title character or John Valjean in 19, uh, excuse me, 2012, who am I? Yep. He has to uh, decide, am I going to let a, a man be arrested for my crime of skipping parole or am I going to go and, and sacrifice myself despite the fact he owned a factory, he was doing good all around because of the grace of a bishop earlier in the show. If you've yep. not seen it, at least watch the movie and maybe try to go to the, see the musical stage production sometime. But who am I? That's a yeah. great uh, summary, those three words, who am I? He decides by the end of the song, spoiler alert, not a big deal, <laughs> is that <clears throat> I am Jean Valjean. My soul be- belongs to God, I know. I made this bargain long ago. He gave me hope and hope was gone. He gave me strength to journey on. Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean. Yeah. I am a, um, a child of God, and therefore I can risk going to prison and even risk 
not letting my factory workers go on, yep. but instead uh, he does that. Now the story does unfold and he does skip parole again because he's mm-hmm. doing more good. But uh, I love that story. And, yeah. and Brent, you were saying during our break as well, how that's a great picture of grace. Yeah. And, and also I would add for, for proper masculinity, how do you lay down your life for your friends as Jesus yep. did? And also husbands are to lay down their lives for their wives. Yeah. How can you address the um, masculinity, yeah. but also the self-sacrifice of that particular story? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the themes that sticks out to me is uh, you have this very this very broken, obvious sinner at the beginning of the musical who is shown grace mm-hmm. and realizes I'm in need of that. And then living out of that reality, once you've received the gift and realizing you're completely helpless and that you need salvation, that, you know, when we when we put the gospel into this scenario, it's once you come to Jesus and you realize I have to fully surrender. Yes, I am totally depraved and I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And you come in absolute poverty in that moment. Once you've received the gift of being forgiven, but also being adopted as God's child. Mm. Now, when you live in the grace of that, you get to be one who you don't like, you don't have to make transactional relationships anymore. Mm -hmm. You can be gracious to others because you've received grace. It's like you get to embody the gospel in how you relate to other people. And in the musical, he goes from receiving that gift of like he deserved to go back into prison because For he had stealing stolen. silver yeah, yeah he had from the stolen bishop. and he's shown grace from there on out he becomes this um person who is working for the well-being of others in every single scenario mm-hmm. even with his enemy that's right he spares the life of Javert later in yes. the show so he loves his enemies he becomes he he owns a business he he becomes mayor of the community uh he ends up helping this poor uh woman and her orphan, then orphan daughter, and not to spoil the whole thing, but uh, if you haven't seen it. Well, he adopts her. I think that's not too much of a spoiler. That's such a tender thing. And of course, that's a picture of the gospel right there. God adopted us in Christ because of his blood. So Cosette is a great picture. In fact, she's the literal poster girl. You see any image of Les Mis on the the jacket cover of the poster we have in our house? Uh, It's Cosette. And that's a tender young girl, probably six or seven at the time of the, when when he wrote it, uh, that he adopted her freely because her mother died giving her life for her daughter. So it's just a wonderful story about, it's gritty. Uh, in some versions, I wouldn't recommend because it gets a little too gritty and I can't handle that. But the concept of self-sacrificial love yeah. in Jesus' name directly yeah. in the show too. It's not yep. just an allegory. He talks about Christianity. Yeah. that It, it just, it challenged me to, to live, like recognizing I've received God's yes. gift. And then I can then ex- extend that to others um, in, in how I relate to people and then living in the security of that identity, being willing to live sacrificially for others in every single scenario. Yes. So that, that's just a cool picture, but it, it relates to how we talk about authentic relationship. Cause again, let's go back to that idea of differentiation. Yes. When you're secure in, in your identity in Christ, in being saved by God's grace through Christ alone, right? By faith alone, mm-hmm. then you can connect with other people. And, It's, you know, we could go down uh, kind of what that looks like in a bunch of different scenarios, but one of them that we need to talk about, because here we are, we're doing this as a part of our church family, we need to talk about what that looks like in the church. Mm -hmm. And one of the passages that comes to mind for me is Romans 12, where Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he talks about the body of Christ, and he talks about how people relate in the body of Christ. 
uh, he writes about this in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just want to take a moment and read a little bit of that because it's helpful for us to start thinking about the uniqueness of who we are as a part of the community of faith, as a part of the household of God, as a part of the church. Mm-hmm. And keep, bear in mind, friends, we've been reading a number of times on this podcast, Romans 12, 1 and 2, yes. about having uh, offering ourselves as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, our true and proper worship, and not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. The very next verse, verse 3, Paul writes this to the church. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. There's even that, like, similar to the word differentiation we were just talking oh, yeah. about. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your, gift is, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And he continues to go on to talk about love and about mm-hmm. the nature of love, especially in not only relationships, period, but just relationships within the church. How does this strike you in terms of, Paul, in terms of how Paul, how the Apostle Paul <laughs> yes. talks about the body of Christ being differentiated? It's liberating because, again, back to my phrase in episode 15, no one is one-dimensional, but by the same token, yeah. no one must carry the weight of being everything. Yeah. We, we, again, we have feet, we have hands, we have eyes, we have ears, uh, and we have many other body parts. And, and even says, I think in 1 Corinthians 12, that some are even more modest, they have to be treated with greater honor. Yeah. So the way this strikes me is it assures me that just because I'm loud, I like words, I like activity, and I like, um, let's say, well, people, I, I have a lot of different gifts. I shouldn't be ashamed because I can't fix a car. Yeah. Or because I am not going to be the one to, uh, let's say, put in a new HVAC system. I am so inept when it comes to handyman yeah. stuff in the home. <laughs> but there are other yeah. ways that the Lord has gifted me. And by his grace, I've made a living at doing things I'm good at. And even that wasn't my idea. You go back and listen to past episodes. Yeah. I was called out of the blue to work with children and youth. Uh, and that was based on a lot of the theatrics and the activity that I did growing up. Kind of like you. You're, you're a yeah. childhood is indelibly influencing your even yep. the bad stuff. Even yep. learning to not be image management. That was yes. how the Lord used you to become sanctified. So Brent, this is liberating to me because I even look at this small list uh, that, you know, I I think I've dabbled in things like teaching and service. Um, Probably, you know, I think in in prophecy, or excuse me, in um, 1 Corinthians, the word helps or or that kind of service. I'm not there. In fact, Wendy and I are opposite. She's definitely an acts of service gal, like Gary Smalley, I think, talks about in the love languages. Um, I am more of the words of encouragement. So I would be the exhorter, and she's the one who serves through both cooking and through handy person projects, handy man projects. Uh, And so I am liberated to know 
I don't have to be all things to all people. But by the same token, yep. I need not be, let's say, full of uh, boasting or full of, of yeah. arrogance just because I'm a podcast host and someone else might be my mechanic like Matt McCall or someone else yeah. might be behind the scenes doing the books like Ryan yeah. uh, uh, Ryan Applegate. There we go. I was going to say Ryan Rennick. You have two Ryans in this church. Uh, so no, we, we don't have to look and be either envious or look down on others that aren't like yep. us fully blossom into who God's made you to be. And part of that is experimenting. Try new things, even in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, but for sure in your teens, 20s, and 30s, and 40s, by the way. I've kind of skipped <laughs> that a decade. Um, we need not fear who or not, like Valjean, who am I? I am this in Christ. Yeah. Let me be generous. And Valjean, by yep. the way, is a great fictitious example of generosity. He yeah. blessed hundreds of people fictitiously, but a good example of how we can use whatever little gift the God, the God, the whatever gift God has given us, we can use. Yeah. And I would argue every yep. person on the face of the earth has been given manifold gifts, both physically and, and talent wise. Yeah. Yeah, and we need each other. I love that point. And it comes out in Paul's writing in Romans 12, but also in 1 Corinthians 12. You alluded to it. Let me just read yes, a part of go. that because I love this passage too. They're they're connected in in that they speak about the gifts in the body. But this is this is how Paul talks about, like I'll, I'll call it differentiating yes. within the church. Verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Mm -hmm. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You can see how practical this is. Yes. Okay. But, if, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. This is so critical, especially that verse 18. God has placed the parts of the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Yes. It means that he has designed it. And we all know, and this, this you, you go to an anatomy class or you want to talk about the complexity of the human body, the systems of a human body are unbelievably complicated. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, they're designed so fine-tuned mm to work together that, and we all know, like some of us have struggles with our bodies, obviously, and we're in bodies that are going to decay and we have an earthly tent and we wait for our heavenly tent, yes. right? We know that from 2 Corinthians 5. Mm -hmm. But the human body is designed in such a way that you can see God's handiwork in placing every part the way that he wanted it. Yes. And that is incredible, but that's why the body metaphor for the church is so important because each part needs to play its role, do its function, but we work together. They're all complementary. You can't either stand on your own and be proud about your part, nor can you feel inferior about your part because yes. every part is important. Yes. And bringing it really personal to our small church here in Hastings, Minnesota, uh, I've heard you say this on the campaign leadership team, and I think from the pulpit as well. Mm -hmm. We're at an amazing time here at New Life Evangelical Free Church that God has brought so many different people yes. in a span of only about, let's say, five years to be generous, but really two or three. Yep. We're, we're, we've pretty much doubled. I think we've more than doubled our membership roles in yep. the last year. Wendy and I being a year ago, and recently I think there was another 20 up there in front. Yep. We're up yep. to 100 members. 
members now. And the thing that's exciting is yep. it's not merely adding nickels and noses as the stereotype goes. Yeah. It's actually adding wonderfully diverse, complex individual Christ bearers yep. that bring talents and interests and expertise levels that are so complementary with an yes. E. I always like to say complementary with an E because it means to to uh, uh, fill in the gaps of the other person yes. as opposed to flattery, compliment with an I. So that's exciting because, again, it makes us confident as Christ followers, we need not be all things to all people. Now, I know Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I have become all things to all men that by all means some might be saved. Yep. There's a place for that to, to try to discern and wisely interact differently with people, but we need not be a transformer like we're going to somehow yeah. have to be like a pastor to speak in this or like a mechanic yep. or whatever other. I keep coming back to those two examples. By the way, my brother said if, if, if we were to add a word to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, maybe Maybe Paul would be the mouth. <laughs> it's not in there. But no, and Wendy would be the hands, by the way, because she's both artistic. She works uh, hard in the garden and she fixes up things like making greenhouses on her property. Yeah. So it is yeah. it is liberating. That's the word I used earlier. It's liberating to know yeah. we can rest in our identity in Christ. And actually, to put it really humbly, there are limited gifts. And sometimes the Lord would say, it's okay if you fail, because that's a way for you to experiment what you're not gifted at. My brother would often joke, he was a missionary for seven years. In Tanzania through Mission Moving Mountains, the mm -hmm. navigators. And he said, Well, I've learned I'm not called to youth work. <laughs> you know, he volunteered for a couple of Sundays <laughs> at his youth group in Hope Presbyterian Church when he used yeah. to go there in Minneapolis uh, or Richfield. And uh, he was not called to youth work, so I'm the opposite there. But you know what my brother did? He learned. Swahili, Kikuria, and Mandarin Chinese all wow. after his 30th birthday. Wow. So he learned he's really got a knack for uh, languages like our oldest sister, Jean, but he is not good when it comes to the, the silliness and the often uh, trying times of relating to teens or relating to children, even though he has four of his own. He says he has two practice kids and two spare kids. So, and by the way, he has a sense of humor in the family too, along with him. So uh, I love the fact that we can rest in Christ, but I'll tell you what, audience, this also calls for prayer. In addition to trying trying things and hearing feedback, godly feedback, not just flattery, uh, but how can we learn to settle into our role, but also not be afraid to try new things, lest we let some talents go dormant, like that man in Matthew yeah. 25, it thinks. When, yeah. I think when he buried his talent, that's ungodly. So we need to exercise our talents, use it or lose it, as it were. Yeah, and again, this idea uh, that we need each other yes. in the church um, we, so uh, we are talking about authentic relationships. And yes. so the re one of the reasons, one of the dimensions and why we're talking about these body passages within the scriptures about the church is that one of the key expressions as a living witness of the kingdom of God to the watching world is how the community of faith constituted in Christ because of his blood and because of his resurrection and because of our adoption in Christ— the community of faith constituted as Christ as our King, our Lord, our Savior, mm -hmm. that we and how we interact with one another in the relationships within the household of God are a foretaste and signpost of oh, God's kingdom. That's right. And so there, this is why we're talking about it, because, yeah, we could go down almost like a counseling podcast on how do you have authentic relationships in your family and in your workplace and in your friendships and like all these things. Those things matter. Mm -hmm. I don't want to skip over those in terms that they don't matter. But... As a community of faith, as a church, as a gathering of God's redeemed people through Christ, we are putting on display what relationships can look like and should look like as we bear with one another in love, Yes, as we embody the various differentiated parts of the, the body of Christ, 
and as we connect and relate and as we work through conflict as in a godly way, as we band together for projects in a godly way, as we proclaim the gospel in outreach and evangelism in a godly way, as we do things like work on a building project or serve in a outreach ministry or come alongside people in need and provide for them when they need groceries. Yes. Every single part of how the body functions in its proclamation, its service, its mission, its, its uh, standing for the truth, our a living witness to the watching world of the truth of the gospel and what it means to really connect in relationship with one another in God's family. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples yes. if you have love for one another. John 13, 35, which is actually Monday, yep. Thursday. We just celebrated that recently. By the time we dropped this, it might be a month ago. Yep. But uh, that's Monday, Thursday, a new commandment. That's the Last Supper, about 12 hours before Jesus hung on the cross. Yep. They will know you're my disciples if you love one another, exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. And and the key to this, and, and for those of you listening who are New Life you know, attenders, members... Um, we really have been embracing and want to continue to embrace how each of us has something to contribute to this church community. And so often, this, this is the way it looks sometimes, is that uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that me, for me, from my point of view, for, for my role, for our other leaders, our other staff people, for Steve or associate pastor, other roles, we are equipping, we want to equip you, the saints, for the work of service, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, mm -hmm. because... Um, you may come to me and have a great idea, and probably the first thing I'm going to say to you is, hey, that's a great idea. You want to lead it? Oh, yes. Because I'm not the one who's going to execute on all the ideas. Yes. My job and, and, and our job in, in terms of leadership within the church is to equip the body to do the work of building up each other for God's glory. And so this is what Ephesians 4 says. Love that. So this is verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people, and so here's the key, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now listen to this. Then we will no longer be infants tossed mm. back and forth by the waves and all just blown and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and yes. by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I'll tell you, friends, if you, you want to see what it feels like to live in the culture that we live in, you walk out, you could either do this virtually or in person. You can get on your phone and surf like the web or get on social media and you're going to feel like tossed around by the waves, yep. and you're going to feel like you're going to be blown around here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. That's what it's like to live in the culture and the times that we're in. We don't want to be infants in the faith. Yes. We want to be mature. And this is what Paul says to wrap that up in verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, in order for us not to be like infants in the faith who are tossed around by every wind of teaching and scheming in the world, if we're going to be mature, we speak the truth and love to each other. We grow to become in every respect mature uh, body of Christ who is the head. 
And we do it by building each other up as each part does its work. In other words, we need you, dear brother and Mm -hmm. dear sister in this church for God to use you to build each other up so that we become mature. Yes. And I tell you, I've never made this connection before, but when you're reading uh, that passage from Ephesians 4, and you talked about being taught, this was an emphasis of yours too, being tossed by the waves and carried yeah. about wind. I thought of it, uh, Hebrews 6, yeah. Jesus is our anchor. We yes. have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Yep. And so, and, and to make that analogy, or should I say that cross-reference apt, we all are anchored in Christ when yep. we're saved and when we are dependent on his anchoring our lives and not being tossed back and forth by the wind and every wind of doctrine. We are more uh, mature and we are more capable of properly ministering to each other and to the world outside of us, but it all comes back to being anchored in Christ. Yeah, it must. And that's just full circle for our conversation is it is being secure in your identity in Christ because of the gospel because you are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are centered on the identity we have in the gift of grace we've been given in the forgiveness we have of our sin, being adopted by God's grace, by faith, um, into his family. And then living in that truth of that reality. It's the only way we're going to serve one another and speak the truth in love. I don't, in other words, if someone has a, 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 uh, uh, a rebuke, <laughs> if you will, a brother or a sister who says, hey, uh, uh, dear dear friend in the, in the Lord, um, I see this thing that needs to change mm-hmm. in you. That's speaking the truth in love. The only way that you can be the one to deliver that message is if you're not afraid of how that person's going to receive it, because you know that I'm secure in the Lord and God asked me to bring this to my dear brother or dear sister. And then the only way you're going to be able to receive that yes. correction is if you're secure in the Lord and you're not worried that that comment by that person to say, Hey, I'm seeing this thing. And I, I, you know, we need to talk because Mm -hmm. I see this thing that I I would love to help you with. Um, the only way you can receive, uh, input from others in a way that's healthy is when you're secure in Christ. Yes. And you mentioned that if you are going to say something and, and be concerned about how they receive it, sometimes acting in obedience, you'll say it regardless of how they receive it because it needs to be said. Yeah. And so in other words, if you think they might crumble into a, a ball of, of self-pity in a, in a natal position or a yeah. fetal position, yep. uh, that's okay because sometimes that harsh uh, wake-up call, a, 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 splash, a yep. splash of cold water, as it were, is necessary. And sometimes those are the most poignant moments in life when yeah. people say, you need to change, brother, or that passion in episode 15 when you referred to, yes, Brent, I've been waiting for you to realize that, yeah. as opposed to he yeah. decided in his wisdom to not uh, drop it at any of the right time, but maybe eventually he would have initiated that comment and not yep. waited for you to realize that yourself. Yep. Yeah. And the key in how we say these things to people, I, I do this a lot. I will often, when I have something to contribute in uh, a relationship, I will start with, dear brother, you know that I love you in the Lord (laughs) and that that whatever, whatever's next that I need to say does not change our relationship in that I care about you and that you're secure in me caring about you. I say this to my kids. I say this to my siblings. I say it to everybody that I know. Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, um, your relationship is secure with me, but I need to say, um, that I'm seeing this thing that I know that probably isn't in line with what God wants for your life. And Mm -hmm. so this applies to so many contexts. It's not just correction or rebuke or whatever. Like that's just one illustration, friends. This may be encouragements. It may be all kinds of ways that we connect and relate to one another. But here's, here's the point. And I think we probably wind it down here is 
uh, security in, in the Lord, security in your identity in Christ is the only way we're really going to connect with one another. But God has given you certain passions and gifting and skill, and and he's made you on purpose for a purpose. Mm-hmm. As you participate fully in the body, when you realize, like, I'm a part of this body, the body, I don't get to be a passenger, a consumer, someone who just gets to hear some good teaching and go home, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be a part of the relationships. We get to be the fabric of a web of relationships in our community of faith. And the way that we do that under Christ, in God's, in in ways that are holy and Christ-like and gracious and living in the reality of our secure identity in Jesus. That allows us to really be an ambassador to the watching world in what are the values and the priorities of God's kingdom and yes. King Jesus. And that's that's the most important thing about authentic relationships and that it, it matters about how we relate to each other and people are watching. Yes. Good. Well, we've covered a lot of musicals today. We also covered a lot of passages. I'm going to end in the extra with John 13, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Our identities in Christ, abandon image management and go for authentic relationships and go forth in loving the Lord. And we'll see you next time on Roots and Branches.